It doesn't matter how sound the plan. If you lack the sincere desire, a plan doesn't work. So before anything can change in our lives, we first have to be desperate. We have to be broken. We have to go, I will do anything to make this change. This podcast will work. This book will sell. I want to do this. It all starts with you, your desire, your sincere desire to see that thing change. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how great the plans, it doesn't matter how great the system, nothing will help outside of those things. Welcome to the Imperfectly Empowered Podcast with DIY healthy lifestyle blogger, Anna Fulmer, empowering you to transform your life one imperfect day at a time. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfectly Empowered Podcast. I am your host, Anna Fulmer. Today on the show, we have BJ Thompson. BJ is the executive director for Build a Better Us, a company founded on the belief that no matter your relationship status or life circumstance, you have the ability to be extraordinary and affect change in the world. BJ has a book coming out, Awaken a Better You, where he shares his incredible story. He grew up in very difficult life circumstances on the streets of Dallas and transformed his life through four simple principles that affect change. He has influenced thousands, and he is here to share his story and his expertise with us. Welcome, life coach, speaker, and author, the amazing BJ Thompson. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Look at your cute little setup. Well done. Thank you so much. My (laughs) wife is helping me with my setup. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. You should turn your screen just a little bit so we get more of your book in there. Maybe the other way. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Look at that. It's like perfect framing. Thank you. Where's your wife? She deserves kudos for this setup. I'm going to (laughs) definitely tell her. I'm so grateful. Yeah, do it. She did great. Great job. I introduced you before you got on here and I I'm so excited to hear more of your story. When I first met you at that conference that we were at and I was looking over your stuff, I mean, our messages are just so similar. The concept of holistic wellness is something that people hear and they instantly think like organic. It's like we think holistic and we instantly go to a certain mindset when really it's just taking into account all of the dimensions of our health, which is more than just running and eating more vegetables. So all that to say, I'm very excited to dive in here, but I always like to press the rewind button a little bit. You, A huge element of your story is where you grew up mm-hmm. and the challenges that you faced from the beginning. So tell us a little bit about BJ Thompson 101, yeah, the background, the so background story. Okay. So this is like my, what is the hero story, villain story, origin story? Hey, all of the above. All of the above. And it depends on who you ask. I'm either hero or villain. But uh, <laughs> isn't but, that the truth though? We live in the tension of both all the that's time. That's right. That's right. But I am a Dallas native. I'm not a Cowboys fan or a hater. And, Amen. Because uh, you love Jesus. That's right. <laughs> oh, you said or a hater. Okay. No, neither one. Fan, so. neither one. Neither <laughs> one. And grew up, I'm the oldest of three. And was born to a 17-year-old mother. My dad left school in the 10th grade. And I grew up at the height of gang culture in Dallas. And so Mm. all of the craziest things you can imagine from riots to shootouts to everything else, I kind of like grew up right in the middle of it all. But I had a really great childhood. You know, I think that's one of the other misnomers. It's like when you live in a certain area demographic, it's like your childhood is bad. I had a great childhood. I had a 
great family. One of the the key benefits of my life is my family. I grew up in a very solid, loving, caring family, Mm -hmm. even in the chaos of an environment. And so BJ Thompson 101, especially in my soil, starts in a major city. Catching a bus, you know, all over the city, riding my bike. I don't know, you know, these kids nowadays getting participation (laughs) trophy awards. I rode my bike all night. We don't do participation trophies in this house. Forgive me if anyone is not on board with that. But we're like, nope, there's winners and losers in life. Let's go. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) no, no participation trophies. So, But I grew up like that. I grew up riding my bike all over the community. I grew up knowing my neighbors. I grew up going through the city, catching the bus, meeting people, bumping into Mm -hmm. different characters. And so a lot of my origin has to do with exploring the city, learning how to have tenacity, and then having to develop a sense of direction in some place, in, in a place where it's, and sometimes it didn't feel like it had a direction. And so that's really a lot of the one-on-ones. Went to the University of North Texas undergrad, met my wife there. We have been married for 20 years mm-hmm. now, three children. What um, is her name? Remind me her Van- name. Vanja, like driving Vanja. Vanja. Vanja, you're amazing. Yeah. So Vanja. Three children now, 19, 19, 15, 13 years old. Mm. And I have enjoyed just being a dad, being a leader, being a mentor. And then also just realizing that some of the most beautiful things about life is the relationships. So that's a little bit more about me. I like long walks on the beach and looking at the (laughs) He likes candlelit dinners. Thank you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Are you a fan of any football team? Now, of all the things you just said, I love that this is what I'm coming back to, but do you follow football at all? You're like, no, Dallas. Well, I mean, I, I'm friends with players, so I know players, but I'm not, yeah. I don't watch sports in that kind of capacity. Yet. Yeah, gotcha. But I, I mean, I love, I respect what they do, but I'm just not a fan. Yeah, yeah. Rewinding a little bit to the the growing up in the heart of Dallas, how would you say the experiences of the whether it be racial tension or ethnic diversity, or even just the fact that because it's a city and you are rubbing shoulders with so, in theory, I shouldn't make this assumption about Dallas at that time, but in theory, you're rubbing shoulders with a lot of different cultures. How did that shape you early on and your understanding of just sort of life? Like, How did that help shape your worldview, I guess? That's a great question. So when I was growing up, I mean, I'm an 80s baby. So Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, we were, I guess we were the first post-civil rights generation. Mm. So I grew up with Nintendo, right? So I grew up (laughs) with the Atari, with the Nintendo, and being entertained. Video games were just huge. And I remember, you know, a lot of the parades, the Martin Luther King parade and all these different things. And to us, the way that, you know, any type of racial issue was positioned, it was positioned around like something massively bad happened in the past. This is what the textbooks kind of say. Something really bad happened in the past. There was this short struggle in this like thing called Jim Crow. And then a man named Martin Luther King came. He died for all of racial sins, (laughs) Mm. did not resurrect. And then he made all things right. And so in some ways, that's kind of the story we inherited, but not being able to kind of put word, put language to some of the changing demographics. So initially, you notice that everybody in your neighborhood looks like you. 
right? Mm. Until you want to move into a better neighborhood, right? A better neighborhood means a different ethnicity. And oftentimes that's a white neighborhood. Mm. And I remember when we moved out of a predominantly all black neighborhood into kind of this mixed neighborhood. And I remember it felt like our white neighbors started to quietly disappear, Mm. right? So, you know, even in the midst of that, without having any like awareness or being historically, accurately, historically informed, you just kind of see like the change. But I would just say from a relational perspective, it didn't feel any different. You know, your friends were your friends. You know, you did all the things that kids did. It's not until you go into different areas and people treat you weird or treat you different or they're not nice to you that you then begin to question like, Maybe something major did happen. And so I would just say from my perspective, especially growing up where I did, there's a lot of naivete, mm. honestly, because you only know what you know. There's not anything outside. And I'm sure that's what the audience knows is right. It's like where you live is where you live. Your friends mm-hmm. are who your friends are. But you sometimes don't even you don't even recognize the amount of blinders and limits you have on your life simply because you have not been exposed to just kind of vast cultures or vast understandings, even though they are around you, but they do not live specifically in the type of zip code you're in. Well, and I love what you said. It's like you don't even realize the limiters that exist. And from my experience, that crosses all colors and all ethnicities. It's this idea that it's very easy for us to gravitate towards the people that look like us or have even just grown up in a similar culture, whatever our subculture is. It's like we gravitate toward that. And it is. It's it's so crucial to have those relationships and to move around because then rub shoulders with different people because it is eye-opening and you realize it's only within these relationships that you start to understand, oh, well, I definitely was misinformed there or I had a wrong perspective there. So I love how you presented that. It's like, regardless, we all are guilty of creating self-limiting experiences. What? So you may not know this and we'll move on here quickly. But I want to ask you this. So we are adopting. I love getting this perspective. We are adopting from the Pacific Island of Samoa. And we are bringing a brown child into a white home. And I love asking, again, this whole concept of relationship being the key to opening our eyes to a greater understanding. In your experience, what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give me as a white mom in a what will be a mixed family to help create a understanding of diversity within our home that will position our son to thrive? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think oftentimes we we have the right intent, we have the wrong impact. Mm. Oh, say that one more time. Say that one more time. We have the right intent, we have the wrong impact on mm. others. And I love that you're asking that, even as we talk about urban areas, diversity, density, connection, understanding, ignorance, being able to be transcendent or having limited beliefs or limiting perspectives on life based off of limited exposure. And I love that. I think that all of us have to enter into these spaces as learners, not as mm-hmm. leaders, Amen. right? And that's kind of where everything starts. It's like, I have to go into spaces, you know, since you know, one of my first major books is coming out. <laughs> Awaken right a there. That's that is right. Like beautifully oh, set up. Good book. Oh, Awaken a better you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get a thousand copies of this. Okay. <laughs> I have to enter into spaces as a learner before I become a leader. Mm-hmm. And that posture in parenting is difficult because 
you have experienced enough of childhood to become adult, to produce a child that it gives you the authority without necessarily having to automatically take on a position as a learner. Right. Mm, that's a great. And so I think that some of the, the things that you can do as we like create some of these cross-cultural families is one, you have to be educated. I think first and foremost on your family, mm. where did you come from? What is your culture? What is that the true history, not the revised history experiences that have happened within your family and within your culture? And you just want to know that, but you also want to be able to know it, own it and celebrate it. Right. I think this is kind of a, it's really forthright, but I think it's also helpful. Sometimes I encourage white friends to not just say that they're white, but to like lean into their ethnic heritage. Mm. German, are you Scottish, Polish, are you Scandinavian? Whatever you are, like lean Mm -hmm. into that because it then brings more culture as opposed to saying, I'm just white. Color, culture over color. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, actually you're Russian. Actually, right. you're German. Your last name is actually That's Scottish. A great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that being able to learn, know our own narrative, our own story, our own history, our own background, and good, bad, and ugly, be able to celebrate and to be able to explain and expound on it. Mm-hmm. So then what does it do for others? Now, right, before we can know someone, we have to be known. I think that what it allows us to do is as we integrate new people into our lives, now we're interested in their culture, their history. Mm-hmm their family and their background, and we're able to celebrate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And as we do those things, now these individuals are coming into our lives and we're not colonizing them, but we're integrating them. Mm-hmm. And then we're helping them create a sense of self-awareness and self-identity that's not based off of them simply being integrated into the family, mm-hmm. but then bringing a new mixture and a new flavor of culture uh, that we do want to celebrate and honor. Well, and I like the concept that you're creating this tension that is always the challenge in life is we talked about the hero and the villain tension. I mean, living in a balance in anything is life's greatest challenge, but also then really where we thrive. And what I'm hearing too is when you talk about celebrating your culture, I think we often want to focus on all the positives. We think of celebration as instantly being a positive. But what I'm hearing you say is it's really an acknowledgement of your story, whether that includes a lot of mess, whether that includes a lot of beauty. The celebration happens in acknowledging your story, whether that be culture or personally. And I think that's such an important thing to highlight there is that it all makes up who we are. It makes up our culture the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all of it is the acknowledgement of it all is what we're celebrating and that identity that you're talking about. So I really appreciate that. I love that concept of not just white. In our case, we are European, German specifically. It's beautiful. Love that. You, I love there's a phrase that I think I saw on Amazon, his book page, Awaken a Better You. Can't mention that too many times. Dropping January 10th. But you mentioned that you got to a point where you decided to stop allowing life to just happen and to rise above the obstacles before you. And all of this pulls together. And we're going to touch on your book here in the second half and the specific meet the four principles of authentic transformation. But tell me a little bit about that transition for you in your life where you got to the point where you stopped allowing life to just happen and 
when you did that, there was these incredible movements that you were part of, the 116 movement, and you know, you were able to see incredible things happen through your own life. So tell me a little bit about that point in your life. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, you don't know life is happening until it starts to hand you outcomes that you hate, right? So it's like, you don't even know it's happening. It's just your life. You know what I'm saying about childhood? It's just, these are just your friends. You don't have some dense idea of history. Right. Race, you don't have none of that. Those are just your friends. That's just your friend. You just are in love. You're just that's just your school. It's, it's just uh, your family. You don't even realize your, sometimes it's broken and messed that's up. That's exactly like, right. This isn't normal. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's just your family. Again, and it's not until you either get exposed or life hands you undesirable outcomes that you realize, wait a minute, I don't like this. And then when you go to try to change it, you see, oh, I don't know what to do. And the people who are over me, they don't know what to do. And I'm kind of stuck. And I remember, I mean, literally, this happened probably it's the moment I graduated high school. I remember the moment I graduated high school, like this huge hoopla, like, oh, my God, you graduated high school. It's like a big deal. And I remember thinking, I don't even know what I need to do with my career. Mm. I wasn't developed well enough to go through college seamlessly. I I didn't have any career pathways. I didn't have any financial literacy. There was like so many skills I lacked. And I remember being around and I did not know I was stuck till I got around people who were not stuck. Honestly, Mm -hmm. when I got around people who could easily navigate different aspects of life, almost with no tension, it made me feel very silly. Um, I felt in some ways initially shame. And I just wonder what was wrong with me? How, how have I gotten this far in my journey? And I don't know some of these basic things. So uh, the initial key for me of just feeling like, man, I'm, I'm stuck was me going to undergrad and being on that campus with all of the rainbows of diversity and education Mm -hmm. and background Mm -hmm. and economics and just realizing they seem to know so much more about these different areas that are critical. And I know nothing at all. And so that was the moment I said to myself, I don't like this tension. I don't like the the um, weariness of it. I don't like being stuck like this. Let me at least begin to put effort towards something to create a change. So that's honestly when I began to start seeing some traction in my own life. I love that. And I think that's true of a lot of us in different ways. We you know, it's different. And for some of us, there may be a greater sense of overwhelm than others. But what you said, though, and I think this is a lesson for all of us, and for those of you listening and watching, is you took a position of humility in that you recognize and you you shared that there's that sense of shame, which I think is a very quick reaction for many of us. But then you can choose to stay there, or you can choose to take steps forward to right. then learn. And it's, again, that position of of learning and I you I have so much respect for you and your story because you could have stayed stuck. That was a choice that you made and hold up, I respect let me just, you for it. Hold up, I want you to even hear this. I don't even pe- think people understand how far of a leap I've made. Mm. I grew up in the two highest incarcerated zip codes in Texas. Mm. I I grew up in a neighborhood where there were like there's like I know people have done a lot of very criminal insane I know great people too, 
some of the, the education gaps, the economic gaps. It's mm-hmm. like when you think about certain environments, it's like growing up in an underdeveloped country. It's like mm-hmm. you could be the president, you could be a doc, could be a lawyer. But if you do, it's going to be a miracle. You are mm-hmm. not. There's going to be some type of wind underneath your wing. There's going to be some type of God factor that happens in your life. It is not a normal thing. And I think that, you know, when people talk about statistics, when you live in an area where there's so many kind of depressing statistics, it's really impossible to become seemingly right. That's why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Seemingly impossible to become this in incredibly self-actualized person that's like has agency over your life, has your awareness, and then is able to not only do that for yourself, but to empower other people. Mm. When you hear the stories of the people of where I live and where I'm from, sometimes I'm shocked. I just realized like, man, I leaped so far away because I started learning the quiet steps. No one taught me these steps. Mm -hmm. I was just paying attention in each iteration, each season mental, spiritual, emotional. Mm -hmm. I just started taking notes at each one of these, but there was no one to teach the steps. So Mm -hmm. when I look back at my, you know, childhood community and friends, they never left because there's there's no track. Mm -hmm. It's just the industrial complex that happens. They call it from pipeline from school to prison, but that's not just in the inner city. That's in the rural community too. Those are in the, I mean, literally it's the same thing. You grow up on that track there. Y'all have yeah. y'all's parades. You go to that <laughs> market. Yo, I was driving through Georgia. This is so true. You know, because you get your little fairs and all that. Because you got to get yeah, to fair, yeah. all that, right? Yeah. And I was driving through and I saw them do like a, they had like this huge little parade. It was like tractors. It was like <laughs> bumper stickers. I was like, oh my God, this is like y'all's tradition. We y'all love have, our fairs. Give us our harvest fairs. But that's what I'm saying. Farm festivals. So, that's <laughs> it. But I, but and I, I'm only saying that because I think we think of only one area. Yep. I'm like, it's yep. people everywhere stuck, yep. right? That's so right. it's like mm-hmm. these are, and, and when I say stuck, I specifically mean you have almost cardboard cut outcomes of life. Yeah. And you're going to go to it only to a certain place. And it's not until you get outside of that place, mm-hmm. you get exposed to new people from new backgrounds that you're able to change. And so when I say it's a miracle, I mean, it really is. It, there's a miracle element to where I am right now, yeah. but it's because I did discover those steps and I began to implement them in my life. Hello and welcome to the Waking Up to Grace podcast where we celebrate and explore the finished work of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The Waking Up to Grace podcast can be found on every major platform. And now, here's Lenny. Yeah, well, and the point that I want to also make in your on your behalf is that you have not only changed your own life, but then you've taken it to the next step and you're trying to create those tracks for the people who were stuck the way that you were, mm-hmm. who are stuck the way that you were. And that's the empowering piece of this message is that I did it. You can do it. But now let me give to you what I had to figure out. And it's that generosity, that give to give mentality. Like, and literally, it's the book right behind you is this concept of 
let me now give to you these steps that took me probably years of heartache and trial and challenge to figure out. And I'm going to give this back to you so that you can also transform your life in the service of others and give again. And that's, you know, again, I have, I have so much respect for the reality of your story because not only could you have stayed stuck, you could have transformed your life and then kept it to yourself, which many of us are guilty of. So here's to giving to give. <laughs> Cheers. Um, that's such a beautiful thing. And, and I just want to say, sometimes people are able to practice things theoretically and idyllic, idealistically. Mm-hmm. Because I come from such a blue collar background, everything I've learned, I had to do it practically in real life for real people. Mm-hmm. So part of what I think makes the journey unique is I discovered how this works in real life with real people. So mm-hmm. You know, people say, oh, I wrote a book. I thought about this. It's like, well, actually, I've done this for more than 20 years. I've coached more than 10,000 people. I've influenced millions of people around the world. And it's because I was in their real life, in their real living room, in their real neighborhood. I'm in their real families. I'm having real conversations with real people. And I'm watching them implement these things. And I'm watching them go, oh, my God, my life changed. Oh, my God, my life changed. Oh, my God, my life changed. If you hear that 10,000 times, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at some point, you're going to realize something about this works and then you want to quantify how it works. And so I think one of the things that we need now, especially as as we get into these different changing climates with economics, you know, we just got through a whole it's a health crisis. We just experienced a health crisis. We're going through things with biology and all these different like changes that people are having. Mm-hmm. I think we're, I honestly think we're just tired. And I really mm-hmm. do believe that as a society, we just don't want the fluff. We don't, we want essential knowledge. We don't want yep. <laughs> all the fluffy. Cut through the clutter. Yeah, you want the clutter. And we give me did. the how to tutorial. No more motivation. I need how to. Yeah, yeah, we were. We were motivation. Yeah. And now we're, and I really do believe we're at a place where we need things that actually work in real life with real people, with real results. And that's why this is the right time. This was the right time to write this book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. Cut through the clutter. Awaken a better you. Right. Real results. Let's go. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, stay tuned for a speed round of this or that with BJ. We're going to get to know him a little bit better. And we're going to dive into his expert advice on living holistically well to create lasting change in your life and awaken a better you. Right when we come back. You have tried it all. Worried you will never lose the extra weight or reclaim the energy you once enjoyed? Want to achieve fat loss without spending hours in a gym or eliminating entire food groups from your diet? Well, now you can. In the virtual Faster Way to Fat Loss with Anna, my six-week fitness and nutrition program, you will learn how to pair effective 30-minute workouts with all-natural evidence-based nutritional strategies to leverage what you eat and when you eat to reset your metabolism and burn fat fast, even that stubborn belly fat. I am a dual certified nurse practitioner passionate about teaching sustainable strategies to promote fat loss and prevent disease. I have cheered on thousands of clients who have done just that with the Faster Way program. In my six-week program, the average client currently sheds seven inches of body fat. 93% report more energy and 89% state that their mental health has improved. 100% of clients report they feel this program is sustainable. 
Curious to try the program, but not sure if the strategies will work for you? Try the Faster Way strategies for free. Head to www.hammersandhugs.com and sign up for my free seven-day fat loss accelerator course today and start your own transformation story. All right, we are back here with BJ Thompson. Okay, BJ, this or that goes. You get two options, no stress, whatever comes to your mind first. Burger or hot dog? Burger. Also, I have to share this. This made me laugh. Okay, y'all need to follow BJ Thompson on Instagram, but (laughs) you posted this. (laughs) <laughs> Let me read this. Christians be like, bless this food for the nourishment of my body. And it's like a double what Triple Big Mac from who knows where. Heart attack burger. <laughs> oh, I love that. We do need to do better. Yes. Bless this food for the nourishment of my body. And it's fat calories into nourishable calories in my body. <laughs> By or some magic wand. Ding. Yeah, yes. That is into vitamins. But, <laughs> that's right. But hey. Burger also, all in moderation. Maybe not the McDonald's version, but okay. Kindle or old-fashioned book? Ooh, I got to go with the old-fashioned. You know, the Kindle. So we're saying Kindle or Audible. Ooh, that's a good point. Any of the above. What would be your go-to? Oh, Audible. Yeah. They all have their place, I'm realizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another place. When it's like an old book that's one that I really love, I need to buy it because I want to see it on my shelf. It makes me feel good. Like I want to see my library full of books. But then on the go, it's like the Audible, the Kindle. Yeah. yeah, they all have their place. Would you rather be a ninja or a pirate? Ninja. Who? What are you going to do as a pirate? <laughs> what are you going to do as a pirate? You can plunder the seas. Maybe you love the water. I don't know. Ninja. Ninja. I'd love to like, do some ninja work. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. on my list. I wanted to do like Krav Maga or some sort of like martial arts. I can see you that. I can see you choking <laughs> somebody out. <laughs> he could see it. All right. It's official. Next year, it's on my to-do list. Or it is this year. This year. Would you rather have a personal yacht or a jet? Ooh. Oh, man. This mm-hmm. is, yeah, pray uh, about this one. See how the Holy Spirit leads. Gosh. You said a <laughs> personal jet or a yacht? Personal yacht or a private jet? Let's go private jet. Where's the first place you're going? You're taking your beautiful wife and kids. Where are you going on your private jet? My kids. I'm t- no, the teenagers can make it today. <laughs> kids, um, peace out. Sorry. Yeah, 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 peace out. Morocco. We're supposed to go to Morocco. Ooh, great choice. You're going to Morocco? We're, we're planning a trip. We're about to plan a trip to Morocco. That's awesome. I would love to go to Morocco. Okay. What's worse, laundry or dishes? How much laundry are we talking? Are we talking like a basket or are we talking like... <laughs> We're talking one sock, like yeah, your normal talking- laundry routine. Your normal routine. Would you rather do your laundry or would you rather do your dishes? Dishes. I'd rather dishes. I'd rather dishes. Dishes all day. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather I do neither process. of them, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last one here. We're gonna throw it back to Lecrae. Gravity or anomaly? Oh, anomaly. 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 Yeah. I actually didn't think I mentioned this earlier, but you are you friends with Lecrae? I forget that connection. Yeah. 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 If you guys have not listened to Lecrae, I've I've been listening to him for years. I have recommended him to many, many people, but he is a Christian. Rapper would be his primary niche, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been listening to him for years. You guys need to check him out. Lecrae. He's phenomenal. He's one of the few like in that niche where I actually stop and I listen to what the lyrics are, which I realize sounds stupid, but because his lyrics are fire. Great, incredible. Coming in hot, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Let's jump into your book. There's four main principles, simple principles that you share ultimately that have transformed your life. And I love there's somewhere on there, I forget where it says, you said authentic transformation. And I think this is a key phrase because we talk about transformation and there can be like makeup is a transformation, but it's superficial. It's temporary. It can all come off. We're talking about authentic transformation where it is permanent, it is lasting, and it is truly creating change. So share with us this concept, Awaken a Better You, and these principles that somebody needs to understand to change their life. Did you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of black and brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in black and brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. Great. So I mentioned so much of my awakening, my initial awakening was realizing just how far behind I was. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it's daunting when you realize for the first time in your life, critical things about life that you're supposed to know you do not know. And you've never, you know, even I, sometimes there's things I didn't even thought of before. I'm like, man, I'm supposed to know this. I don't know nothing about it. And so these principles were birthed out of this 20 year journey of just like, clawing my way through different disciplines. The first thing that any person has to be is they have to be truly desperate to make a change, right? Mm. Here's what I mean. I just saw something recently. It was um, on my 600 pound life. And there was this, you know, this woman who's like, she gets this huge pan of like pasta, like I'm talking about a huge pan. Mm. She's walking back in her bedroom to like, I guess to eat it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like, that's serious. Like you take an entire pan. This is like a serious addiction, a serious issue. And I say, man, who like, does this woman know there's help out there that people yeah. can help? Her, right. But then the next thought that came to my mind was this. It doesn't matter how sound the plan. If you lack the sincere desire, a plan doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. So before anything can change in our lives, we first have to be desperate. We have to be broken. We have to go, I will do anything to make this change. This podcast will work. Mm. This book will sell. I have to, I want to do this. It all starts with you, your desire, your sincere desire to see that thing change. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how great the plans, it doesn't matter how great the systems, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing will help outside of those things. So, yeah, How do you encourage somebody to let themselves... Because here's the challenge. I love the word brokenness. We did a whole podcast on how you can turn brokenness into a superpower. But how does somebody allow themselves to get to that point? Because we stiff arm the feeling of desperation because it's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. And so we don't even want ourselves to feel it. How do you encourage somebody who sees that they're they might understand they want something that they don't have, whatever that may be. But like you just said, 
in order to see the change, you have to actually have that feeling of broken desperation. What would you encourage somebody to do? How can they allow themselves to even get to that point? Yeah, that's great. And not stiff arm it. Yeah, sometimes you're not ready for it. So sometimes yeah. sometimes it's not bad enough yet. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the reality. Sometimes it's not bad enough for you. It could be bad, bad enough for your family. It could be bad enough for your friends. It may not be bad enough for you yet. You may have not gotten to the point to where you are tired of receiving the same outcomes. Mm-hmm. And this is where these individual journeys kind of come into play. I think one of the things I, I noticed as a society is that we are extremely afraid. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of admitting we don't know where we are. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of admitting we don't know what we're doing. We're afraid of admitting we really are not even around the types of people that could awaken us or to enlighten or us or mm-hmm. empower us. We're just so afraid that we'll end up put up unnecessary ba- uh, barriers and that thing that's supposed to keep us safe is actually keeping us trapped. Yeah. And so part of the desperation posture, honestly, it's really a mature understanding of yourself. You realize that you are one of 7 billion people on a planet. And because you're one of 7 billion people, that means you have one of 7 billion perspectives, right? And so now because of that, that unique dynamic of, of you being one of 7 billion, now there's something in others that you need that you have to ask for help for. And so desperation is really just a posture of humility. People who wrestle mm-hmm. with pride and who don't like to ask for help, they also have the most limiting outcomes. They have limiting beliefs. And, and most of that comes from like childhood. You know, maybe your parents or your teachers or people who are in authority, they never gave you the freedom to freely ask for help because you had to show up. You had to look the part. You had to present a certain way. And you looking good meant they were doing good. Yeah, it didn't mean right. that you were doing good. Yep. Right. And so some of that work specifically may even lead you back to your childhood mm-hmm. where you have to now go back and ask, how was I taught to like ask for help? And if I was not, is that something that I need to deal with with my parents? Is that something I need to deal right. with therapy or in counseling? And then that's what allows you to begin the journey towards desperation in a healthy way. I love that. And I people have heard me say this before, but for any of you new listening, to piggyback on what he just said, it is really understanding where your worth lies. And I can confidently say BJ is going to amen this as well, but we both believe that you have been defined with infinite worth by a divine creator. Your worth is not in what you do, and you cannot add to or detract from your worth. You have been divinely created in God's image, and you are valuable as you are today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, as you are right now. And it's out of that worth that we can say, hallelujah, I'm imperfect. And now you've created that position of humility where you are like desperately saying that I recognize I'm making mistakes. I don't know what I don't know. I'm seeking change. But your worth is not in what you do or what you say. You are valuable right now. So if we can help you get to that point of desperation to see change, we're going to throw that out there. You are valuable today. We're not going to wait till tomorrow or 10 years to claim your value. Your identity is already beautiful as it is right now. And your mistakes are what make you unmistakably unique. And anyway, desperation, we need to see the change. And then we get to step number two, which is information. Okay. So it doesn't matter how desperate you are. 
with the wrong information, you will always be stuck. Mm. So anytime you notice, man, I have this driving desire to see change. But if you practice wrong, you will always get the wrong outcomes. It's simple. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's like the world works a certain way. There's processes. There's order. What you're trying to do is put your life in order. Well, if you don't know the order, you have to seek order, right? And so the next phase of this is information, is understanding what's the right information. So case in point, I typically don't read instructions on like anything. I'm just like, go through, like try to win it, right? <laughs> and, you know, one of the things my wife loves to do, she loves to shop at Ikea. That's like one of her favorite places to shop. Mm. She lo- I mean, she loves it. I didn't know it was like its own world. I didn't even recognize it. looks like an Ikea shelf right back there. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. hey, I didn't recognize it. You go, it. girl. It looks fabulous. Yes, all of that. And she brings these items home and she's just like, okay, well, can you put it together? It doesn't matter how intuitive I think I am to put this together. I am not equipped because this was made by another designer. I have to learn the design and I have to follow the directions. So right information means instead of us trying to wing it, we plan it. We stop waiting to figure it out on our own. We start seeking coaching. We start seeking counseling. We start seeking consultants. We seek like we seek these individuals who have what we call proof of concept, Mm -hmm. right? So you just can't intuitively know this thing. You have to seek a right plan. Who's getting the results? Again, you want to change your health and you want to lose 50 pounds. What coach is successfully helping people lose 50 pounds now? Not you're the first client, right? That's called a beta run, right? That's called mm-hmm. you're developing proof of concept. Who is creating a process to help people do this on a regular basis? I don't want to be BJ is, by the way, for those of you that did not know that, we did not really mention that, but BJ does do that. <laughs> oh, it's one, it is one of my coaching disciplines. Throw that out there. One right. of my coaching disciplines, that's right. One of my coaching disciplines is health. I need to know that you do this on a regular basis. I don't right. want to be your first. I need to know that you have proof of concept. And so the idea of information is us going out and seeking proof of concept and sound plans. Mm. When you find those things, now you're on your next leg towards transformation. I love it. So we've got the information. That stems out of a sense of desperation. We need to see change. We humbly recognize we need help. We've got the information. You're vetting the data, which I love that you mentioned that. So important. And then we're at step number three. You've got this information that you have made sure is valid. What do we do with that information? Because this isn't the end. Information is everywhere, by the way, people. Information is not the hard part. Getting good information is. But information is everywhere. So this next step, I think, is essential. Oh, and it's application. (laughs) A lot of people prolong. A lot of people prolong doing anything. Yes, they pick up. We pin. We're Pinterest people. We pin this. We pin that. We pin everything, and we get motivation here. And we say, "Don't do anything with it." That's right. We do do nothing with it, (laughs) and we're wondering why the heck we're still stuck. That's right. No, but that. But listen, that's the that's the point. We're wondering why we're stuck because we haven't done anything with the information. Reach. Right. So we're frustrated that things haven't changed, but we have not implemented or applied anything. And this is the question that I ask with my coaching clients, you know, in overall life coaching, I ask them when they say, oh, well, this doesn't work. 
my first question is, have you tried it? <laughs> have you actually like done any part 100%. of this process? Oh no, I haven't done anything. Well, how do you know if it works or not? Right. Or I did it out of order or only did 25% of it, or I only did it for two days. Yes. No, I'm like, no, this is a 45 day process. You can't do it for two days. And so the application piece is essentially when we do the thing that we have learned, remember, we go through this process of vetting the information through research so that our efforts are not wasted. Remember that that's why we do the vetting. We're not vetting just to learn information. We're vetting through research and then proof of concept so that we can apply it. But here's the thing. Application is also customizable, right? So let's just think about personalities. I am a verbal processor and I'm also, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. There are certain applications to certain things that I just am unable to do, right? So I've had to go meet a bunch of people and talk to them at the same time. This is why I do podcasts. (laughs) This is why I mic up and talk to a crowd, Cause I can knock it all out at one time. We can have one big dialogue. They can hear me talk. I can listen and hear, maybe hear a question too and respond back. There's certain things that will drain us. And there were certain things that will inspire us. And so what I think part of the the tension is you have to be self-aware enough Mm. to know you to make sure the application works. Right. Mm. And the key is, you also have to learn how to be comfortable with being dis with being uncomfortable because it's not always say that again. Preach. Yeah. I've said this many times, but say it again. Can't be said too many times. Yeah, you have to learn how to be comfortable with being, being uncomfortable because part of the application means you've never done it before, mm-hmm. right? You're saying you're new. This is overwhelming. This is this. Well, it's just new. That's why it's, it's overwhelming because you've never done it. You've never tried this before. You do things in a certain way. And because you're trying to get new results, you have to practice new habits. And so the new application is always going to revolve around us trying to take this information and this plan. Because remember, there is an actual process. You're not winging it. You're planning it. You're trying to figure out in your life, in your schedule, with your wiring, how you can follow in order with the plan. I love it. I love it. I don't have a whole lot to add to that. And again, I think, especially for people listening, I think one of the greatest barriers to application is still fear. We fear failure. And if we're really being honest, we fear that we'll try it and then it won't go perfectly. And then it's this negative feedback cycle. And so again, it's this concept that your worth is not in what you're doing. You're already worthy. Like, Let's get that out of the way. You're valuable as you are. And the application is literally it's progress. It is all about progress. But like BJ has said multiple times, you've got to stick to the plan and you've got to keep pressing forward. It's not a it's not a one day and done type of a thing. And that plan is what creates the discipline as well, as opposed to relying on motivation and feelings, because feelings are going to peace out real quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but the feeling that you need to lean into is the feeling of love. You mm. I, Driven by love or by shame. Yeah. I want you to hear this. You know, we are too often driven by shame and it keeps us from trying. So when we mm-hmm. feel that uncomfort or that discomfort, it then st- be, we begin to identify with it as a failure. Mm. But when you're driven by love, you really do know that you're already worthy. I show up to these places already worthy. I'm not mm-hmm. showing up 
so that they can give me their stamp and then say I'm worthy and then say I'm these things. I show up already worthy and then I'm in the process of becoming a different version of myself. Yeah. And so oftentimes we will let that shame or that inner critic begin to speak so loudly because we do feel stuck. We know that where we are is not where we need to be, but we don't want to let that discomfort of trying something and failing remind us that we have gone back to these places that we do not want to be at. And so that's why it has to be driven by love, not by shame. You have to truly love yourself. You have to love others. You have to love God. Like this is a true awakening of you Mm -hmm. to where as you go through it, it's not so scary anymore because you're not defined by any failure. I'm sure you've done things. I've done tons of things and I've royally screwed them up. I've royally. Amen. (laughs) Amen. All these different things. But that one moment does not define me. Okay. The love that I have for myself, for others, and for God, that's what defines me. And that's what keeps me from giving up when I'm trying and I'm experiencing discomfort. Beautiful. And when you are living out of that sense of, of love, that is truly when we see step yeah. number four. Transformation. Authentic transformation. That's right. Yeah. What parting thoughts would you give? Awaken a better you. You can see it in the background for those of you watching over YouTube. And for those of you listening, this book drops January 10th and it is on Amazon. We'll have the links, have the links to everything here. One, where can people find you? And two, any parting thoughts that you would share to somebody listening? You know, what the benefit transformation is clearly a key word here that we have for BJ's heartbeat for you. But tell us just parting thoughts, what you do, where people can follow you, find you, and ultimately why they need your book. If you haven't already figured out why you need your book. Yeah. So coach, author, speaker, we grow up in all of our different vantage points, all different backgrounds. And we know what we know until we realize we don't know anything. And one of the beautiful things about the internet is that it has brought us together The internet has also shown us that we have tons of gaps in our own lives, Mm -hmm. tons of gaps, so many gaps, health-wise, financially, um, relationally. Mm -hmm. There's so many gaps that we see. And now we are coming to these places where each individual from different backgrounds, we feel stuck in a way. There is a way we feel stuck. And so one of my parting thoughts is to be honest about where you are stuck. You know, it's very scary to say out loud, this is where I'm stuck. But then to not just be honest, but to be hopeful that you are just one of 7 billion people on the planet and there's others who figured this out. Yeah. And so my parting thought for the audience is, you know, I love that you're saying that you are loved and you're worthy, but I also want you to hear that anybody can transform to think I'm mm-hmm. using myself saying I'm coming from my mother had me literally at 17. I, my daughter is 19 years old. Yeah. My daughter was 16. Everything I, every time I saw, I thought my mother was pregnant at this age. Mm. My daughter was 17. I thought my mother had me at this age. And then it hit me. What could my daughter teach me if she, be, she was my mother mm. at 17 years old? I was like, man, how limiting is that? And so, you know, I come out of this environment with a 17-year-old mother. Dad left school in the 10th grade. I go from this crazy environment, but a home full of love. And yet, I have been able to transcend it all. Mm-hmm. Millions of people, coach tens of thousands. I've traveled the world, author, speaker, it's all these different things. So if I can do it, I'm showing you the simple steps. 
I'm not showing the complex steps. And you have to start believing that you can change. You can't start thinking, oh, well, that's just you and you just got something special. No, you have something special. And I love that you said God has put his fingerprints on you. You already have everything you need. I'm going to give away one part of this. You remember the Wizard of Oz? Oh, yeah. Remember how they started? So if anybody has ever seen the Wizard of Oz, these these characters, unlikely characters all come together and they go on a journey, right? As they go on a journey, they're all defined by something. Fear, anxiety, worry. Like they're like, one of them's lost. Everybody is like defined by something that's very, 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 very negative, right? As they go on throughout the journey and they actually just get on the journey, what you find out is the person that's fearful is actually courageous, Mm. right? The person who is filled with anxiety is actually filled with clarity. The person that's lost is actually found, but they had to go on the journey and what they needed, they already had. They just had not developed it yet. And so I want to say to you, if you're watching this and you're listening, you already have all that you need. Mm -hmm. You just need to know how to develop it. And once you Mm -hmm. get to that place, you can awaken a better you and you can become the version of yourself that you've been waiting on. Amen. You cannot be redefined, only redeveloped. And I want to challenge you, our listeners and our watchers here, that what BJ said, I want you to think of one thing and we have given you the space. This is the place to do it. Think of the one area that you feel stuck. Allow yourself to settle in that for a second. And then I want you to go buy BJ's book, Awaken a Better You. And I want you to read his book with this one specific area in your life that you feel stuck in mind. And I want you to apply what he is saying to that area of your life and allow this to be the next step in your journey. BJ, I'm so grateful to have you on here. It's so fun. You're a blessing. You've transformed so many lives. And I appreciate the way that you are letting God use you to ultimately change the world. Wow. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Imperfectly Empowered Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts from today. Head to your preferred podcasting platform and give the show an honest review and let me know what you think. Remember, you cannot be redefined, only redeveloped one imperfect day at a time. Your story matters and you are loved.